Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a former linebacker who played 11 seasons in the National Football League. He was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, fifth overall in the 2006 NFL Draft out of Ohio State, where he won the 2002 BCS National Championship as a freshman, won the Lombardi Trophy as a Lombardi Award as a senior. He would later win a Super Bowl with the Packers, a game I was at. He was also a member of the Cincinnati Bengals and Atlanta Falcons. It is a pleasure to welcome Aaron James Hawk, better known to AJ, two AJs in one show, to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, AJ. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's absolutely our pleasure. You know, prior to Ohio State and Green Bay, you're a defensive standout for Coach Bob Gregg's Centerville Elks, where the offensive standout on that same team was your brother Ryan. What was that experience like, not only playing on the same team as your brother, but both of you having such tremendous success at that level? Oh, it was great. And, and Coach Bob Gregg, it's, I'm glad you mentioned him. He's an absolute legend in the state of Ohio. has over 300 victories as a high school coach. Uh, but, yeah, my brother was always the quarterback. He was two years older than me, and uh, he kind of paved the way for me at Centerville High School, a big-time high school program. And he started as a freshman, and so when I came up, my he was a junior, and he just dragged me along to workouts when I was uh, basically in eighth grade going into my freshman year. And I actually got to play both ways, so I played – linebacker and then running backs, my brother throwing me and, and handing the ball off to me. So it was fun. It was great a couple of years when, when we were playing together. Yeah, what I found so interesting is both of you, even back at the high school level, were such strong leaders. So I have to imagine that there's a lot of leadership that was forged in your home. What was the Hawk household like, and what were the key things that your parents instilled in both of you to make you both such strong leaders? Uh, I mean, with my parents, there was never anything that they had to say, really. I, I'm the youngest of three boys. I have two older brothers, so I was always chasing them, trying to be like them. And now that I'm older and I have four kids myself, I realize how special it was that the, the role models I had with, with what both my parents were doing, how they just lived it. And uh, sometimes people back in Ohio, they would ask us, they would, they would think that. And my brother got a scholarship as well to, to play football at Miami of Ohio, and People always thought my dad was like a, a guy out there who would wake us up and pour water on us, our head and make us get out of bed in the middle of the night and run suicides or something, and he was the furthest thing from that. But the one thing I always tell people now, like, he would, he, he never said no. Like, if I wanted to shoot free throws at 2 in the morning, I could go wake my dad up and he will roll right up and, and rebound for me without asking a question. And he was always that guy, always at every single event. Same with my mom and, and just the ultimate support team no matter what. But also, they didn't enable us either. If we ever wanted to try to quit something or back out, they uh, they let us know, like, hey, okay, you can do that, but guess what? You're not coming back. I'm not going to bring you back next week, so don't think you're, it's just a, uh, uh, a one-time thing. So I think they just lived it. They set the example, and we learned from that. As you get older, you start to kind of take notice, and you realize how big of an impact that has on you. And that impact is surely also seen on the field. You set multiple defensive records in high school, including most tackles in a game, 31, uh, which is unbelievable. And you, you did that three times. Um, also had the most career tackles, 583, were a two-time All-State player in high school in 1999-2000. So I have to imagine you had a choice of a lot of colleges. 
And it's interesting because your brother was transferring out of Miami of, of Ohio because there was a, a quarterback there, uh, a guy named Ben Roethlisberger, who was blocking him. Was there any ever any consideration of both of you to go to the same college at that point? And why did the ultimate decision for you come down to Ohio State? Uh, yeah, there was absolutely the chance that I was going to follow him. And, yeah, like you said, he went to Miami of Ohio and came in the same recruiting class as Ben Roethlisberger. And my brother actually played his freshman year, Ben redshirted. Uh, and then Ben came in his redshirt freshman year and became Ben. So <laughs> my brother understood, and he realized. They were, they were messing around. My brother playing quarterback. He's like, okay, well, now what? And he played a little bit like slot receiver. They'd run reverses to him, jet sweep stuff. And he knew that he wanted to play quarterback. So he transferred to Ohio University and started two years with Bobcats. But, yeah, before I got offered by Ohio State, I was absolutely – uh, an option to, to follow him. I knew he was in the process of transferring, and I was going to follow him and see uh, wherever he went. But then uh, I went to Ohio State's camp going into my senior year in high school in the summer, and Coach Jim Trestle sat me down and gave me a scholarship offer that, yeah, that summer going into my senior year, and I accepted right on the spot and, and knew that there's no question now if Ohio State was going to offer me, I'm going 100%. Did you look at any colleges outside of the state, or just because you're an Ohio person, were you looking just at the colleges in Ohio? No, I looked outside of the state. Um, I, I guess I just always knew if Ohio State would offer me, then, yeah, I would go. Growing up about an hour and ten minutes away from the stadium there uh, in Centerville. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess the only, really the main big offer I got other than Ohio State was Penn State at the time. I was definitely looking at Penn State. I, you know, it was linebacker you and all that, so... <laughs> I took a couple visits there and, and really liked what they had going on. Joe Pa was still there, and I, I could have seen myself going to Penn State as well. But other than that, I wasn't really highly recruited by any southern schools or any schools out west. They may have showed a little bit of interest, but for me, I was just trying to find a way to earn that Ohio State scholarship offer. Yeah, and you mentioned Jim Tressel. You, as a freshman, you guys win the 2002 BCS National Championship. What was the Ohio State experience and winning that championship in your first year like? Well, it was great. We went 14-0. and I, I stepped on campus, and, man, at the time I didn't realize it. I do now, but it was a special group of people from Coach Tressel and on down, everyone he surrounded the, with the team, but all the players. Like, we had a really, really good senior class that year. A bunch of guys that kind of been up through some, some highs and lows throughout their time at Ohio State. And Coach Tressel came in, and they loved him and everything about him, and they wanted to win for him, and they wanted to go out on a high note. And I really learned a lot from those guys. They, they were true leaders, absolutely, on and off the field. They, they're inviting young punk freshmen like me over to their little house parties, the departments. I'm fresh out of high school thinking, like, wow, this is like a movie. I'm hanging out with these dudes, and I, I watched them play on TV for the last couple of years. They all seemed like movie stars to me. So – I, that whole year, it's kind of a blur. I, but I do remember after we won and went 14 and 0 and won the national championship, talking to some of my buddies on the team, like, yeah, this, this is awesome. I can't wait to do it again next year. Like, let's do it every year. Why don't we just go undefeated every single year? <laughs> I didn't realize how tough that was to do. I never got back to that national title game. But it's also interesting. You mentioned the leadership and such a great group of guys. Um, one of the things that impacted you was Jim Tressel's 2004 Winner's Manual, which is handed out to all the players in the fall. And, you know, reading about Pat Tillman, what did you take from reading about Pat that inspired you as well as some of your other teammates, including, you know, one of our Jet favorites, Senator Nick Mangold, to grow your hair out in his honor? What was it that resonated so with you guys when you read that? Well, I mean, I don't know how you could read about Pat Tillman and not be impacted. So 
some way, some kind of positive way. I mean, everything that Pat did and stood for just seemed like just what you would want your own son to, to live for and just his, what he stood up for, how he believed, what he believed in and was really interested in people and just a weird, unique guy. And I, as I've gotten older, too, I've, I've talked to a lot of different coaches that either coached on the same staff that Pat played for. I talked to players that he uh, played with. I've gotten to know Jake Plummer decently well over the last couple of years. And just Pat was just – he was authentic. And, and I, I always love and respect that when I see someone that is authentic. They're not putting on a, a face for what they think other people think they should be. And we, when I, we were in college, yeah, we, we loved everything about Pat. When This was back when – when he was alive and, and making the whole transition into the army and becoming a ranger and everything, I just tried to follow his path as much as I could or follow his journey, even though he was so private about it, which I respect too. Um, so then when he died, yeah, we were trying to go, like, oh, I don't know, maybe we can do a little something here to, to try to honor him. And we didn't really step up and make a pact or anything, but we didn't really even say anything. But eventually it kind of, I guess it kind of leaked out a little bit. And yeah, of course, I think I, I had a long hair for, 10 years and then finally cut it. Now my kids just look at the pictures and say how terrible I looked. <laughs> you, you know, you say that and you, you kind of say, you know, who couldn't read about Pat and not be inspired? But if you, you take a look at it and, and look at the time, you know, you're really still a kid. You're in college. And you know, a lot of college kids aren't that in tune with it. You know, you kind of brushed it off like who wouldn't be, but it's more like you guys really were. And I, I, I give you a lot of credit because I don't think most college kids see outside of their little, you know, five feet, especially when you're in football and you're trying to do your thing. So I, I think that you kind of sell yourself short on that. I think it, it takes a certain individual to recognize you know, what he was and, and to make him your role model. Because you take a look at what's going on today, and forget about college, you take a look at some of these guys in the NFL and what's going on, it, it's, you know, it's a different world. Well, I, I appreciate that, but I was always uh, just so enamored with everything about the military growing up. I was reading books about Navy SEALs back in the sixth grade. Like, before, it, it's all blown up, it seems like, and everybody, they're, out, they're everywhere. Like, everything, all these books and different things. I've always kind of been in all of what those people have been able to do. And um, so seeing Pat, yeah, just, man, it was unbelievable. I, and I, believe me, I was not cultured. I was not mature in anything. When I was 17, 18, 19 years old, I didn't know anything. And, and I wasn't thinking about a whole lot other than football in school. But people like that, like Pat, they, they have an impact on me. They really did. And, and I think some of that also is because of Coach Tressel, because he would, uh, like, not make us, but he would really, really – I guess just push us to look out there and to, to try to become better men and not just worry about football and try to figure out the playbook. He said, that, we'll figure that out. Don't worry. You guys need to, you need to turn from, from boys to men during your time here and become better sons, brothers, eventually husbands and dads. Like in football will take care of itself. And I think I owe a lot of that to coach Tressel. Talking to AJ Hawk, your final game with the Buckeyes was a 2006 Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame, where your future brother-in-law Brady Quinn was playing at the time. You sacked him twice during that game. You're the co-most valuable player of the bowl, which ended with an Ohio State victory. How often does that come up at Thanksgiving? It comes up a decent amount. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's fun. I, uh, I Brady lives in Florida, but I see him a decent amount. Talk to him a lot. I actually co-host on SiriusXM with him. Uh, Sometimes on the NFL channel, we're doing a couple shows here in the next couple of weeks. We'll be four hours together, just Brady and I, and taking calls. And definitely some callers call in and ask about it. And <laughs> people around Ohio, I, I live in Dublin, Ohio, which is where Brady grew up. He went to high school 
10 minutes away. So there's all kind of people here that know Brady very, very well. And when they see Brady and I out together here, when he's back in town, of course, it always comes up. And I'd always tell him, like, I'm just glad that we won that game. So does your wife still have the jersey she wore That's to that awesome game? awesome jersey. <laughs> she, her mom has the jersey, actually. My wife talks about that because people ask her and she regrets she regrets that jersey so bad. Like she's she understands now what it like. Okay, cool. I guess maybe someday. But you know how like how all like she she doesn't like being a picture. She doesn't like any spotlight. She doesn't want anything. She had, we were so young and naive. Like we had no idea the cameras would show her. And then all of a sudden she's horrified to find out the camera cut to her like ten fifteen times throughout the game. And she's like, Are you kidding me? There's no way. Like she hasn't watched that. She's definitely not watched that game since it happened. She's horrified. You know now she thinks like I can't believe. I, I just, uh, the way I looked at, it, I can't believe, and, and she always hates when, when stuff like that yeah. takes away from a football game. So she, her mom has the jersey somewhere in her basement. But the thing is, you we, know, I, it would be different if you guys didn't get married. Right. I mean, right. well, let me describe the jersey for a second. Though. It's got, it was split, so right. half of it was was Notre your Dame. number right. and Ohio State right. colors, and the other half was Notre Dame Brady's, and Brady's right. number. It's awesome, great stuff. Yeah. So well, hey, you're right though. When you may, you mentioned that, I joke with her all the time. So at that time, we'd only been together like four months. Like it wasn't like you. And I tell her all the time, I'm, I joke, I'm like, how weird would that be if that was just some fling? And we were, we broke up shortly after the game. And luckily, I don't, I think I would have tried to persuade her away from wearing that jersey. And some, some of her, one of her family friends gave it to her, like made it. And it's like, hey, wear this. And she's like, okay, whatever. Sounds good. We, like I said, we were so naive. But I think if I, if I, we got engaged a couple months after that game, and I already knew that I was, that, that she was the one, 100% that I, she was the one girl I feel like I could be married to, and I still believe that. And I, I think I would have persuaded her against the jersey if I felt like this was some some fling and we weren't going to last. It might have been her master plan to shame you. It said like, yeah, I wore the jersey. Now you got to you got to get the ring. True. She could have <laughs> trapped me early. Right. Now, she didn't want to get married, man. I had to beg her. I had to pretty much find a way to. to she, I took her by surprise, so for sure. So I'm assuming you still follow the Buckeyes. So what do you make? Uh, about what's gone on with the Zach Smith ordeal and Urban Meyer retiring due to health reasons. And what do you know about Ryan Day? Well, Ryan Day, I mean, is that three-game audition he had earlier this season? That's just, uh, you could, he, he aced the test, that's for sure. And I think if Gene Smith had any kind of question moving forward, like back then, who the successor to Urban would be, Ryan Day stamped his, his ticket right there and showed what he could do. But, uh, yeah, the... Urban announcing he's retiring, I guess you say you can't say you're shocked by it just because you've seen if anyone's watched Ohio State play, like you see Urban man on the sidelines, he he takes he he carries a lot of that stress with him. No matter every single play, it's like it's life or death for him. And that's kind of what uh you see when you watch on TV. I know he's had health issues, so hopefully he can get healthy uh and take some time off. But I uh I was a bit surprised. The good thing for Ohio State though is that they nothing really changes for them. Ryan Day is the coach. I don't think he's going to make a mass overhaul of the coaching staff. So for the recruits, for everybody else, they know like this offense is only going to stay the same or get even better with Ryan Day at the helm. So this is really the second time Urban Meyer has stepped away from a big-time college coaching job because of health issues or partially because of health issues. So the question is he's 50, what, four years old? Do you see him after a year wanting to come back and coach again? Do you think the second time the message is maybe he better stay away because the effect it takes on him? I, I mean, I definitely I could see him coaching again just because uh, he's so young, and that's what coaches do. They coach. Like, yeah. they don't 
they don't know uh, other lives. And yeah, Urban, when he, he worked as a color analyst for ESPN during that time off between Florida and Ohio State, and I could see him jumping into that right now in the next year or two and, and, uh, and doing some more broadcasting work. But he's just so young. I can't imagine he doesn't come back and coach. But the thing is, for Urban, I mean, he kind of, as far as college gigs go, Ohio State was the pinnacle. Like, where did you go from there? I, it would have to be a very special situation for Urban to come out of retirement, like the Notre Dame job possibly in college. Other than that, I don't see really any other college gigs. Maybe, I think it would have to be a perfect NFL job if he got the itch a couple of years down the road and realized, like, hey, I need to – I want to give this a shot, and, and I feel healthy enough, and maybe I can get back into it. Now, of course, one, one of the big differences between when you were in college and now, and who was the number one team who wins the national championship, is it actually a playoff? So what do you think it would have been like way back when you were in college and it was the same four-team playoff, and how do you feel now for the fact that Ohio State is just on the outside looking in of this year's playoff? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, now they have the playoff, and it's never going to be perfect. No matter how many teams you put in the playoff, there's always going to be people upset. No matter if there's 8, 16, 32 teams, like there's the 33rd team is going to feel like they got screwed. So I think I like that there's a playoff. I like that there's a definitive number one. But um, I don't know what the exact answer is, if you should move to eight and have the four top seeds have a home game. I've heard of that before. There's a million different theories out there on people, what, what they think should happen. But – I think going back, it would have been fun to take part in the, the college football playoff. It would have been, I mean, when it's do or die, we all know that's when football is the best. Like when, when it is win or go home, those are the biggest games that anxiety is high and nerves are there and you can feel the electricity in the air. So I really do wish I would have been able to, to take part in some of those. Now, now, I saw you tweeted just a few days ago about, you know, following back with the Urban Meyer potentially going to a, uh, you know, professional team, the, your own odds on uh, him going to Green Bay. How do you think <laughs> that would work? Well, I, the timing is just bad. If So right now, there is the Browns' job is open. Urban's an Ohio guy. The Green Bay Packers' job will, will most likely be open if, if Joe Philbin doesn't get the full-time uh, head coaching gig from taking over as interim. The Jets. And the, ba- the Bengals' job could possibly open. So you're telling And the me, Jets. Yeah. Yeah, and the Jets. I mean, the Jets, it That'd seems like the front runner to, to bring in McCarthy right now, at least, if he wants to, to coach right away. But all these jobs are open, and if you think about it, um, I, uh, if this was like four years down the road, that may get Urban out of retirement. If all these jobs were open right now, the timing just doesn't work. You know, he's got to get healthy and, and reevaluate and see if he does want to coach again. I mean, you tend to see a lot more NFL coaches take a few years and then come back out of retirement, a la John Gruden and, right. and Joe Gibbs. You don't see that as much in college. Well, also the NFL guys, though. I think you're going to yeah. see less and less of that because these yeah. NFL guys are getting so much money to be analysts on ESPN yeah. or, or CBS. Yeah, the pressure. That with, yeah. with no pressure. You know, and I think some of the college guys are doing the same thing because it's a very stressful job. You know, so we, let's move on from college. After your college career, you drafted by the Packers. Fifth overall, first linebacker taken in that draft, as well as the first player from the Big Ten that year. What do you remember most about draft day and your initial thoughts about being picked by one of the most storied franchises, the Green Bay Packers? Well, I, I wanted to go to Green Bay, absolutely. Um, it was Mike McCarthy's first year as the head coach there. He had got hired a few months before the draft. And, uh, you know, talking to all the different people, I was still in school. So I was still taking classes all week, going out and flying out on Friday mornings to, to go visit different teams when they would ask me to, to come in. So I, I stayed home for the draft back in Center Bowl, Ohio, with my family and everybody. And... 
we knew, like, I guess, what people were projecting or what people were trying to tell me or my agent where I may get drafted. But we, you have no idea. I didn't really know. And all of a sudden, three or four minutes before the Packers were officially making their decision, like when they had three minutes left on the clock, I got a phone call, and it was Coach McCarthy's, uh, like his main right-hand guy, Matt Klein. He said, hey, we're, uh, this is Matt Klein's Green Bay Packers. We're about to take you here. Uh, so just stay on the line. And so I kind of put my phone in my pocket and then watched them make, call my name on the TV. And, yeah, I just remember my family, you know, the whole mom crying, aunts and uncles. I have a big extended family. Everybody was over at my parents' house. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy how this worked out. It's awesome. I'm so happy to go to Green Bay. I, I was a big Brett Favre fan. I played two years with Brett Favre wow. and when I was there. So it was uh, exactly what I was hoping would happen. Now, I would have been happy wherever just getting drafted but yeah the fact that it was the Packers man it was it was a special day so it's interesting AJ and over the course of 14 years of doing this show you know speak to pitchers outfielders you know different guys quarterbacks um I don't think we've ever asked this of a linebacker so take us back to September 20th 2006 at Lambeau your first game in the NFL what's your most vivid memory of that day and as a linebacker what is the thing you remember most in your career? Is it your first tackle, your first sack, or your first interception? Uh, so, remind me, were we playing the Chicago Bears? Yes. Okay, man, I'm glad I got that right. <laughs> so, uh, I, I remember, I think, Devin Hester, who was a rookie at the time, took a punt back on us. Maybe a punt and a kickoff? I mean, Hester's the man. He's so good. <laughs> Played against that guy for so long. But I remember... Well, honestly, I can go earlier. I remember my first preseason game getting schooled by Antonio Gates. I mean, geez, I was so <laughs> that's a tough cover. I, yeah, I knew how good not he the was first guy to get schooled by. Yeah, him. man, the scheme we were playing at the time, my first three years in the NFL, uh, that was before they brought in Dom Capers. Man, it was tough. We walked out, and manned up on everybody, and it's still having still have some some run responsibility. And I remember being walked out on the slot against Antonio Gates in my first preseason game in San Diego, and he. He had to just laugh, like seeing me out there, like, "Oh, this is a joke!" Like, don't like. I, it's almost like no one, no one's guarding me. Like, I just had terrible leverage. I, I was sat outside leverage on him when I should have had it inside. He gave me like the tiniest little shimmy head fake and went right inside, caught a ball for like fifty yards on me. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, that guy's a true pro." That's like that's what that's what a savvy vet is, and that's back in '06. So I mean, that's that's how long ago it was. Uh, I remember that, but just my first game in Lambo. Are you kidding me? It's just. It kind of reminded me of being at Ohio State and running out as a tunnel as a freshman. Just how the fans are, the atmosphere. It was a special, special day. And every time, I never took that for granted playing in Lambeau Field. I, I knew. And teammates I had, or buddies I had on other teams, they would always get excited when they would have an away game and come play us at Lambeau. Like they all wanted to play there and experience it. And they always would, would ask me leading up to the game how it is, and, and they were just really would look forward to it. That's kind of how I viewed every day there. It's interesting you say that because, like, I, I've I heard for years what you know you have to go to Lambo, have to go to Lambo, and um, you know the Jets played there uh, a few years back, and you know it was Earl like I didn't want to go <laughs> like the middle you know, of winter. Right when <laughs> like, below I think zero they played the like the third week. It was a September day, so I, I said, all right, let's go. So we went to Chicago, you know, hung out in Chicago, and, and took in a Brewers game in Milwaukee after that, and then went to Lambo. And just the atmosphere. You're right. It is the the coolest. If, if 
you know, we have listeners here in New York. If you get a chance, it doesn't even matter there, who they there play. There are Packer fans here in New York. There's yeah, Packers yeah, fans well, they travel all over the yeah, place. Yeah, My yeah. nephew is a huge Packer yeah, fan. Yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. tough season this season, but uh, absolutely, it's a very special place. So you're part of a Packer team, which is interesting because you mentioned, you know, growing up watching Brett Favre. Um, you're part of a team that sees a transition from one franchise quarterback in Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. And obviously, those are not easy shoes to fill. Uh, the expectations were high for Rodgers. What did you see from Aaron early on from a, leader sta- a leadership standpoint during his early years that indicated he'd be the type of quarterback he became? Well, we knew right away, especially defensively. We were facing Aaron every day in practice. He was running the scout team offense against us. When, and he'd obviously take first team reps too with Brett, but he would run all of the scout team reps. And Aaron's a crazy competitive guy was trying to kill us with the other team's players every day. And I do remember early on my time there watching, uh, we'd be watching practice after it would be, we just got done on the field. We're in our linebacker room watching what we just did. And so many times our linebacker coach would have the clicker and he would just run a play back, like a throw that Aaron would make and how he would just drop it and just absolute impossible throw that nobody could make. It seemed like, and it was, it seemed like every day he would just run it back and our coach wouldn't even say anything. He would just run it back real slow and then play it in slow motion to the throw and the catch. And he'd just say, wow. And that's all we do. And we were like, geez, man, this is um, unbelievable. It's not like this guy got lucky once or twice. He was doing it almost every single day in practice, just making throws that nobody else could seem to make. And he's excited. And Aaron would always be celebrating stuff during practice, trying to, to rub it in on our defense. But he definitely made us better. You, know, you, you take a look at that. There, there was generally a succession plan. That he was groomed for the job, he grew into the job, and you take a look at what's happened, especially this year, with with quarterbacks, the four quarterbacks drafted in the first round, they're all starting, including two today, the Bills and, and, and the Jets, other, right? you know, Josh Allen and, and Sam Darnold. What is lost, do you think, by not having that type of preparing succession, or do you think the game has changed enough that these these guys should learn basically on the job? Or or do the apprenticeship like Pat Mahomes did right. under Smith, Alex yeah. Smith? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a proponent for one way or the other. Like, I don't think it has to be. It's not absolutely black and white. Like, you should sit or you, you should start. I think each team definitely is a, is a different situation. Now, a lot of times when you're drafted really high, you're going to a bad team. And that's tough. When you're going to a bad team that doesn't have an O-line, it doesn't have a whole lot of weapons on the outside, and you throw a young rookie in, I mean, that's brutal. They better give you some time to, to develop before they give them the, the bust label and they say he's no good when you got to look around and see if he has a chance. Sometimes, I mean, a quarterback, you got to be put in a good situation. So I think it can definitely help. I think Aaron absolutely talks about how much it helped him being behind Brett and sitting there and learning and feeling comfortable in the offense before he ever really got in the game and, and started, um, started a, a full season. It, it really did help, but I think it could go either way. It really can. I, I also think if – if Aaron would have been thrust in there from day one, sure, he would have had some growing pains, but I still think he would have become who he is now. So you, it just depends on the situation, but it can't hurt, I think, to at least let a guy sit for, for maybe a season. 2010, the Packers make it to the Super Bowl, ironically against the Steelers, led by the quarterback that your brother battled for the starting quarterback spot in college. How much did that add to, to winning that Super Bowl for you? Uh, I mean... I, honestly, going against Ben, it didn't really, it didn't add a, a bunch like that. We were close with Ben. See, that's the thing. We, my brother's close with Ben. We see him. We used to see him out in Lake Tahoe at the golf event that I play in every summer and hang out with him. Um, so whenever I would play against 
Ben. He was always awesome. When I asked me how my brother's doing and talked to him, I ended up getting a one-handed pick against Ben, like in 2013, <laughs> 2012, maybe in Lambeau in a snow game. I remember, and I talked to him after the game. He's like, "Oh, come on, man! How'd you get?" The... He's like, "I was throwing it over your head. There's no chance you had that." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know. Something, something happened. I, I was able to jump six inches higher than normal to pick <laughs> that one off." But the game, honestly, you know, the one thing I remember for sure, and my brother does too. He was at, he was in the stadium. I remember how many come from behind wins Ben had when he was in college at Miami and last like last minute drives and we were up six points and they had the ball driving to score. And I remember when walking like jogging from the sideline to our first huddle when they were starting that drive with I don't know how much time left on the clock. But we were only up six points. So I'm, we're thinking like it's six or five, I'm not even sure now. And I'm thinking, Oh no, like a touchdown, <laughs> an extra point wins this game, we lose the Super Bowl. I've seen, I've watched Ben with my own eyes do this multiple times. And so I do remember that. And my brother said the exact same thing after the game. He's like, oh, my gosh. When, he, when they got the ball and I realized that a touchdown and an extra point beat you, like, he's like, I, I, can't, like, I can't watch Ben do this again. I've watched him do it so many times. It's like, not against you guys. Lastly, I assume you still follow with interest a pack. What do you make of the last two seasons, and are you surprised that Coach McCarthy, a man who, by the way, said this about you, we were fortunate to make A.J. my first pick as head coach in 2006. He spent the next nine years giving everything he had to the Green Bay community and the Packers. His leadership and toughness were instrumental in all of our success, and we thank him for all he did for the organization and community. Um, so were you surprised that he was let go, or is this more on management simply not getting A.J. Hawk type players for him, or, or was it sometimes just time for a change? I mean, sometimes I think there's just uh, people need to change the scenery. That happens with players. You see a guy who seems to be underperforming somewhere, he goes somewhere else, and, and he flourishes. Maybe we'll see that with Coach McCarthy. And I, I'm not saying he underperformed as a coach. I mean, there's so many different factors you have to deal with. But I think a lot of it is that you see how amazing Aaron Rodgers is, and every year that you're not in the Super Bowl, people think you leave something on the table. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that when I was playing there. And defensively, we would definitely let Aaron and our offense down a lot. Uh, at times when we just felt like he's so good, he's so special. Like We need to be contending for every single Super Bowl when you have a guy like this in his prime. But I think that with McCarthy, honestly, it's just a, kind of a change of scenery. That, that's what they're going for. They've had some reshuffling of the front office there, too, in Green Bay, and Ted Thompson's not the GM anymore. So I think a lot of people saw the writing on the wall. Even McCarthy, I'm sure, did. He, Man, that guy is – I always joke about him being – how much he references being from Pittsburgh and all of our team meetings, everything. Like, but he is a true like Pittsburgh tough guy that players love to play for him. He'll fight to the death for you, for his players, and we all love that. I think his players, he, he talked about it. I guess he went in and talked to the team after he was fired. He went back on Tuesday, and they gave him a standing O when he walked in the team meeting room. Like Guys love him, and he's just a, a fun guy to play for, and, and you, you really respect how he goes about it. He's not the most polished guy. He's not going to come in there and – tailored Italian suits and, and try to be a flashy dude. Like, he doesn't care. He just wants to win. And he wants to beat you up. And the players love that. Sounds like a perfect fit here in New York. So we'll <laughs> certainly keep an eye on that. Uh, you mentioned your work on Fox One Sports, uh, but you also have the Hawkcast. Tell our listeners a little bit about the Hawkcast and where they can listen to it. Uh, yeah, you can listen to it anywhere people listen to podcasts on iTunes and everything. I have some of the episodes I put up on YouTube, uh, if the, the guest has a decent camera. We'll put those up, but uh, I started a couple years back, and I'm just a huge fan of, of listening to other people's podcasts, and so I started my own a couple years ago, and I've had, man, just a such a, a, a wide variety of different guests from 
John Daly. I've had Aaron Rodgers a few times. Had Rob O'Neill, the guy who shot us with Bin Laden. I've had a bunch of different athletes, coaches, actors, whoever, whoever I think would be interest, interesting to me, I try to reach out to. So I'm always I'm not a great booker, though, so I've hit a little bit of a law. I'm, I'm trying to get some more set up because I, <laughs> it's I'm not the main easy. person booking these things. <laughs> yeah, it's I not know. Easy. It, trust me, it's not easy. It's not easy. AJ, we really appreciate your time tonight. I know you got another spot you got to get to, so we really appreciate you coming on. And more importantly, um, I thank you for that great Super Bowl that I actually was uh, a guest of Roger Staubach at because of this show, and it was a great, great Super Bowl. And, uh, and I know that my nephew, who is a big Packer fan, you were one of his favorites. So thanks so much for coming on tonight. Oh, hey, no problem. Thank you, guys. Oh, our pleasure. A.J. Hawk, key member of the 2010 Green Bay Packers Super Bowl team.